Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. WABC New York and 107.1 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Tuesday, September 26. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Cloudy day on the way. Pop-up showers again. The high 61. Tonight, overnight, those clouds hang around low 54. But wait, we get to Wednesday and we're actually going to see the sun again. Sun, clouds, high 68. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 56 and clear in Muncie up in Rockland County, 60 and raining in uh, Rawway, New Jersey, and it is 59 and cloudy here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up six o'clock hour. Sid and friends in the morning. Wet, wet, wet. What a wild three or four days it's been. Just nonstop. Everything's so damn soggy. Uh, my father flew in from Israel for a two week visit and all he's seen since he got here on Friday is rain. And we made that ultimate stupid mistake. I said, let's get everybody out of the house and bought tickets to the Museum of Natural History. They have these timed entrances. And I said, oh, look, there's all these timed entrances open. Let's go. So we picked a 1230 entrance. And I don't know what I was thinking. A rainy day at a museum. There were no less than like 150 people online snaking around Central Park West just to get into the building to get past security. And then once inside, I felt like I was at the most crowded wedding of all time. And it was just thousands of people inside the museum. It's a great museum, nothing against the Museum of Natural History, but they probably should, you know, cut people off at some point because it becomes an unpleasant experience, which it was. And then afterwards, finding a restaurant in the rain, I mean, it was just, it's miserable, but no doubt you've been dealing with this flooded basements across the tri-state, uh, some beach erosion over the last couple of days. So one more day of this, that's the good news, and then we'll move on to what is going to be sunny weather, though I see there's a little more rain in the forecast, but it won't be day after day after day of rain. Uh, Senator Menendez must feel like there is a cloud over his head. Uh, holding a press conference yesterday, the senator did in Union City, his hometown in New Jersey, saying that he'll be exonerated after he was indicted on federal bribery and corruption charges. It was a 21 minute press conference. He spoke the whole time. He did not take any questions from reporters. I understand how deeply concerning this can be. However, the allegations leveled against me are just that allegations. Democrat responding to the indictment saying many have rushed to judgment based on a limited set of facts. He added that he deserves the presumption of innocence, believes he will ultimately remain New Jersey senior senator. I firmly believe that when all the facts are presented, not only will I be exonerated, 
but I still will be the New Jersey's senior senator. So federal prosecutors allege Menendez has accepted, uh, he and his wife, accepted hundreds of thousands of dollars in bribes to use his influence to protect three businessmen and benefit the Egyptian government. Instead of waiting for all the facts to be presented, others have rushed to judgment because they see a political opportunity for themselves or those around them. That may be the case, but boy, they have Democrats, Republicans, everybody's telling him it's time to call it quits. The court of public opinion is no substitute for our revered justice system. Yeah. Uh, uh, he then spoke in Spanish for a while, essentially saying the same things he had said in English, said he was dedicated to the New Jersey community and the New Jersey community, he said, was still dedicated to him. The court of public opinion is no substitute for our revered justice system. We cannot set aside the presumption of innocence for political expediency when harm is irrevocable. To those who have rushed to judgment, you have done so based on a limited set of facts framed by the prosecution to be as salacious as possible. Remember, prosecutors get it wrong sometimes. Sadly, I know that. You'll remember in his, uh, he's talking about his first indictment back in 2015. There was a mistrial in that case. And this sweeping indictment accuses Menendez and his wife Nadine with taking bribes of cash, gold bars, a luxury car for a range of corrupt acts, including have the Democrat to use his influence over the Foreign Affairs Committee to benefit the uh, authoritarian, authoritarian government of Egypt in Union City, where he was ultimately very popular, may still be, we just don't know for sure, but people on the streets say they feel like the feds got him this time. It's a person that has got no heart. He, he, he only cares about him. I don't think he's going to lose. He's got a lot of power. Nothing is going to happen to him. The White House calling the indictment a serious matter. Any decision that he has to make, that's certainly going to be up to him and the Senate leadership to decide. The uh, press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, there says the Democrats' decision to step down as chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee was the right thing to do. We believe uh, the senator stepping down from his chairmanship was the right thing to do. And then you had some uh, everybody, of course, thinking that they might want this job. Andy Kim, the congressman from South Jersey, saying he will run against Menendez in a Democratic primary next year. Uh, one person who says uh, they're not interested in the job is former Governor Chris Christie. I had a chance to appoint myself to the United States Senate in 2013. If I didn't appoint myself, the easiest way to get there, um, I sure as heck am not going to run for it. Yeah, so Christie says he's glad the Justice Department acted when he called some horrific facts, and uh, he says that Menendez needs to take a second look at himself. No, I have no interest in being in the United States Senate. Yeah, okay, you told us that already. $500,000 in cash stuffed in jackets and envelopes throughout their home, gold bars that have the fingerprints yeah. and DNA of someone who you were attempting to fix the system Gov for. Yeah, none of it looks good. If convicted on all those charges, by the way, Senator Menendez could face 45 years behind bars. WABC News Time 508. The House Oversight Committee going to hold its first hearing on the impeachment inquiry into President Biden come Thursday. It'll likely focus on constitutional and legal questions around the president's alleged involvement in his son Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings during his time as vice president. Committee Chair James Comer also wants to subpoena the personal bank records of Hunter Biden and the president's brother, James Biden. Witnesses for the panel's first hearing were announced on Monday. They include a law professor who testified in the Clinton and Trump impeachments. The president has denied any wrongdoing. 
I'm Mark Mayfield. WABC News Time 509. The White House warning of the consequences of a government shutdown at the end of the month, just days away from that deadline of September 31. National force shut down and they're closed. Those family trips don't take place and those tourism dollars are not spent. And the jobs they support are at risk. That's Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack says a shutdown would cut nutrition assistance for nearly 7 million mothers and children covered by the WIC program. But it would also impact access to loans for farmers, housing loans for rural families. Nearly 7 million pregnant moms, new mothers and young children count on WIC every single day to receive nutrition assistance support. Farm service agency offices in virtually every county shut down. And those loans are are not available. That shutdown also would affect housing loans. It's conceivable in those circumstances, not only are they not able to close the loan, they may lose the deal. Of course, everybody pointing fingers at each other about this shutdown. Republicans refusing to support any plan that does not include cash for border security. When we go back to Washington, D.C., this is my first priority. That's Texas Congressman August Fluger, who says that something must be done to address the surge of illegal immigration. The number of immigrants stopped at the border in the first 17 days of September were up 15 percent from the same period last year. There's no funding without actually securing the border. Congress needs to pass legislation, of course, to fund the government before October 1. House Republicans, however, have been divided on the measures to keep the government open. That as the mayor of El Paso, Texas, says the number of migrants flooding into his border town has hit the breaking point. Now, we've heard this before, but he says it's worse than ever. This is something that uh, we, we've been prepared for, but these numbers have really escalated a lot quicker than we ever anticipated. Mayor Oscar Lesler there says thousands of illegal immigrants have been arriving almost every day over the past week. All of the city shelters there completely packed. The mayor announced that they're chartering more buses, and guess where they're sending them to? Yeah, here, New York City, Chicago, and Denver. Every individual that boards one of those buses is going voluntarily. They they sign a form stating that they're going uh, voluntarily to the destination of their choice. Uh, no one is being forced. President Biden's immigration policies being blamed for this current surge of border crossings. Congressman Henry Cuellar from Texas points to the protections in the work permits being handed out to hundreds of thousands of Venezuelans who've made it here. We know criminal organizations are going to spend this so fast that they're going to get more people to come over here. He says it's all an incentive. The Texas Democrat says that illegal crossings have been spiking at the U.S.-Mexico border throughout September. It's estimated about 7,500 migrants are being caught uh, each day. What the president did, it can be noble, but in my opinion, the criminal organizations are going to spin it. This is his worry. Henry Cuellar says the cartel is using the work permits to convince more migrants to make the dangerous trek here to the U.S. If you don't do any repercussions at the border, then it becomes a magnet for people to come into the U.S. And there are reports that the total number of encounters this fiscal year have now broken last year's record, which was already record. WABC News Time 512. President Biden hosting leaders from the Pacific Iowa nations at the White House yesterday. The United States committed to ensuring the Indo-Pacific region that is free, open, prosperous, and secure. 
The summit, seen as an effort to counter China's rising influence in the region, the Biden administration formally uh, formally establishing diplomatic relations with the Cook Islands and Neoe for the first time. Biden says he's proud to recognize the islands and their sovereign's independence. The United States is formally establishing diplomatic relations with the Cook Islands and Neoe. All these steps are going to help build a strong foundation from which we can tackle the challenges that matter most to our people's lives. Strong growth begins with a strong infrastructure. So today I'm pleased to announce we're working with Congress to invest $40 billion in our Pacific Islands Infrastructure Initiative. Yeah, he says that economic growth important in the Pacific. WABC News Time 513. Former President Trump says he was buying a handgun while at a campaign stop. He made this announcement yesterday in South Carolina. Yeah, uh, apparently people are making a big deal out of this story. There's not really much to it. Uh, this video posted by Trump spokesman shows Trump at a gun store being shown a Glock, then saying, I want to buy one. However, the spokesperson says he didn't actually buy the gun, but simply indicated that he wanted one. Why? Well, the gun looked to have a picture of the former president on its handle. Trump in South Carolina yesterday for several campaign stops. He maintains a double-digit lead over every single GOP hopeful today. That, as the chair of the Republican National Committee, hopes the former president will take part in at least one of the 2024 presidential debates out on the campaign trail, the primary debates, I should say. Well, I want him to attend a debate, and he knows that. Everybody knows. I think the other candidates also want him to attend a debate. That's Ronna McDaniel urging Trump to appear at a debate before the primary voting begins come January. I hope that before January that he comes to a debate and participates in that process. Trump skipped the first Republican debate in August and announced he'll be in Detroit tomorrow instead of at the debate. One GOP presidential hopeful remains confident despite fading numbers in recent Iowa caucus polls. And that's South Carolina Tim Scott, who says it's not over for him yet. The good news is polls don't vote, but people do. And so I need to make sure that I find myself in front of the most people as possible on a consistent basis. Scott says he simply needs to keep spending time in Iowa. But a recent Fox Business poll of Iowa caucus goers showed Scott just at 7 percent. That's actually down from 11 percent in a poll they did back in July. The more time I spend in Iowa, the better off I will be. The more time I spend in New Hampshire, the better off I will be. All the Republicans who are not named Donald Trump trying to figure out how to stop him in Iowa. So far, nobody's come up with a great plan. WABC News Time 515. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Good morning. Happy Tuesday, Justin Alley. Good morning. Happy Tuesday to you as well. No Alayden. Monday Night Football produced another exciting doubleheader last night. First off, we had the Philadelphia Eagles marching to Tampa Bay to beat the Buccaneers by a score of 25 to 17 to remain one of the now three undefeated teams on the year. According to ESPN, quarterback Jalen Hurts and a number of other Eagles players are said to have been battling flu-like symptoms heading into and during the contest. Sick or not, Philly took care of business on the road. Next, the Cincinnati Bengals broke out their early season rut with their first win of the year, outlasting the L.A. Rams in Cincinnati by a score of 19-16. to Joe Burrow shook off a lingering calf injury, throwing for a season-high 259 yards. 
the young star quarterback, explained that the risk of starting the season 0-3 outweighed the risk of potentially worsening his injury. No harm, no foul for Burrow and the Bengals as they move to 1-2 overall on the young season. On the diamond, the Yankees beat what, the Dodgers. What's with the two Monday night football games? Do you know why they're doing this? I don't this? really know why they're doing no, that. It's confusing. I, I, to be honest, I'm not even sure. I don't remember them doing it last year or the year before that. No. Um, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to make up. Uh, I, don't, I really don't know. I couldn't hmm. explain it. No. Maybe they're trying to take as much advantage of they can as that. Uh, you know, of that prime time, uh, that prime time slot on Monday nights. But Could be. I don't know. And it was a little bit annoying, to be honest with you. It I was, is. I was watching the first game, and then all of a sudden it switched to the second game. Right. And then I had to go now and find the first game and where it was originating. And right. That, and that was annoying. And some point you want to go to bed. That's the other thing. <laughs> yeah. It gets late. Exactly. Yeah. At some point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, don't, I think this is the last week they're doing it. I think oh, okay. next week, next week they start with uh, just single uh, Monday night games. But I'll Good. double check on that for you. Now. I don't like the two things. It's confusing. Right. Well, they're not yeah. doing it for you. So. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Bengals they moved to one to two overall on the young season on the diamond. The Yankees beat the Diamondbacks six to four at home to take two of three from Arizona over the weekend. They'll head to Toronto for a three game set with the Blue Jays next. First pitch for game one scheduled for seven to seven p.m. tonight. Michael King. Is tab to start there. As for the Mets, they were off yesterday, but they'll get a three-game set with the Marlins underway in Queens tonight. First pitch is scheduled for 7-10 p.m. with Joe Lucchesi set to take the hill there. At Sports on 77 WABC, I'm Justin Ellick. No. WABC News Time 519. Seven Republican presidential candidates have qualified for tomorrow night's debate in California. The RNC announced on Monday that former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, who took part in the first debate in Milwaukee last month, didn't make the cut. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and former Vice President Mike Pence will return to the stage, along with North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, and former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley. The group also includes entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy and South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. Former President Trump is skipping the debate. I'm Mark Mayfield. And then you have Florida Governor Ron DeSantis going to debate California Governor Gavin Newsom in late November. Fox News host Sean Hannity will moderate the red state versus blue state debate on November 30th in Georgia. The two governors have publicly feuded and criticized each other's policies over the past few years. Hannity first raised the prospect of a debate during a sit-down interview with Newsom in June. The event will mark the first time the two governors will face off in a debate. I'm Lisa Taylor. And a new poll shows many Americans are not looking forward to that potential Biden-Trump rematch next year. This is another of one of many polls. More than 40 percent of those surveyed in this NBC News poll say they have very negative feeling towards both candidates. Pollsters say 74 percent express concerns about President Biden's age, while 62 percent have concern over Trump's four upcoming criminal trials. 521. Folks will be able to order more free COVID tests, but what about the expired ones you already have in your house and your cabinets? Dr. Nam Tran compares it to expired milk. Would you drink milk that expired months ago? Well, that would matter what kind of cereal I had in my bowl. That's probably unwise. There is no uh, guarantee that these tests will work properly. They can give you false negative results, false positive results. This is due to the chemicals that are used for testing as well as the paper and the packaging. Dr. Tran says don't throw them out, check the lot numbers because many expiration dates have been extended by the FDA. And this is not arbitrary. The manufacturer of these kits had to have come back and show that, yes, this kit now will last and perform okay 
in six months rather than just three months. The federal government relaunching its program to provide free COVID tests now that most insurance companies aren't covering the cost with the expiration of the pandemic emergency. This past spring, each household can order up to four tests online at covidtest.gov. 5.22. Many Manhattan office buildings still have plenty vacancies since the pandemic. The number of workers in Manhattan offices isn't expected to grow as New York City rebounds from the coronavirus pandemic. According to a survey from the Partnership for New York City, 58% of Manhattan office workers are in the workspace on an average weekday post-Labor Day, and that number is expected to grow to only 59% on a long-term basis. Only 12% of Manhattan office workers are in five days a week, while a majority of workers, 44%, or in the office three days a week. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. Vaping has never been considered healthy, but a new study shows it may be more dangerous than you think. Researchers at the Texas A&M School of Public Health have found a link between e-cigarettes and asthma. We found vaping increases the risk of asthma by 32% in adolescents. And you can, can't believe how many people are vaping around me. Dr. Rowe says the study could have wide-ranging impact. Nearly two in three American teenagers admit to experimenting with vaping. It's huge. 60% of adolescents have vaped and 17.2% reported as current vapors in the U.S. It is a amazing that we essentially made smoking uh, just uh, nobody really does it anymore with cigarettes I mean, you just don't see people out smoking but here we are with the vaping is huge just like secondhand cigarette smoke causes health problems he says the same is true of course for e-cigarettes that shouldn't come as a shock to anybody wabc news time 523 cops in dc looking for the people or person who threw two Molotov cocktails at the embassy of Cuba. Embassy officials called yesterday's action a terrorist attack and the second violent attack on the embassy in the last three years. Cuba's Minister of Foreign Affairs, Bruno Rodriguez Paria, says in April 2020, someone fired several shots from an assault rifle at the embassy. There were no reported injuries in this recent incident. I'm Michael Kastner. The FDNY marking a grim milestone 22 years after the 9-11 attacks. Over the weekend, FDNY Commissioner Laura Cavanaugh shared the number of department members who have died as a result of 9-11 related illness is now at 343. That's the same number of department members killed on the day, September 11, 2001. EMT Hilda Venata and Firefighter Robert Fulco, the 342nd and 343rd such losses. FDNY Uniformed Firefighters Association President Andrew Ansborough. September 11th, for most people, it's a part of history. For New York City firefighters, it continues to be an ongoing tragedy. All while calls continue to fully fund the World Trade Center health program. James Flippin for 77 WABC News. WABC News on 524. Tiger Woods' son taking after his dad in a big way. Charlie Woods won the boys' 14-15 to division in the first ever televised junior golf national championship. It was held in Florida with Tiger holding his golf bag. Charlie says after the first round, his dad had some advice for him. If you're tied for lead, you have to go shoot a low round to win this thing. And it's not going to be given. 
So just took it one shot at a time. Don't think too far ahead. Charlie Wood's stellar second-round scorecard consisted of nine birdies. Tiger Sun won by one shot, shooting a six under 66, with the pressure starting to mount down the stretch. We'll talk about the next tee shot. He's like, no, this is the shot we're going to focus on. Focus up. We're, this, is, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, I can't imagine having a Tiger as your father and then trying to be a golf champion yourself. Actor Bruce Willis's wife opening up about her husband's condition. Willis is living with dementia and his wife, Emma Willis told the Today Show what it's like to be a caregiver for her husband. You know, what I'm learning is that dementia is hard. It's hard on the person diagnosed. It's also hard on the family. Yeah, the disorder affects a person's language processing and communication abilities. Uh, Hemming Willis says it's not clear if Bruce is aware of his condition. It looks like a tentative agreement between the Writers Guild of America and Hollywood's top studios could bring an end to this ongoing writer strike. Even if the writers do make a deal, even if that deal gets ratified by their membership, will they or will not, they, they pick up their pens and keyboards likely. But you're not going to see anyone in front of a camera until the actors union make their deal. Yeah, and there's no sign that that deal or any deal is in the work there. America's credit rating could take a hit. If there's a government shutdown, Moody's Investor Service sounded the warning yesterday as a federal government shutdown looms at the end of the month if Congress can't reach a spending deal. The opening bell it rings this morning after stocks edge higher yesterday to kick off the final trading week of September. Amazon shares climbed more than 1% on news it plans to invest about $4 billion in artificial intelligence firm Anthropic. At the closing bell yesterday, Dow gained 43 points. S&P 500 rose 17. The Nasdaq added 59 points. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 531. Good morning. It is Tuesday, September 26. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. More clouds today and, yeah, chance of pop-up showers uh, high 60 tonight overnight those clouds they hang around low 54 but uh, the sun reappears tomorrow at least for part of the day sun clouds wednesday high 68 if you're walking out the door with us right now so happy you are 56 and clear up in muncie and rockland county 60 and raining down in clark in new jersey and it is 59 and drizzling here in midtown we'll start this half hour out in Brooklyn with a murder mystery, a woman, a teenage girl, and a dog all found dead in a stabbing at a Brooklyn apartment building. Cops called yesterday to an apartment on New York Avenue near Avenue D in East Flatbush in the afternoon. Officers found this 37-year-old woman face up in the living room, slashed in the face. Her 14-year-old girl, believed to be her daughter, found face down with head injuries, both pronounced dead at the scene. Their dog had a bag over its head. It was dead as well. This neighbor said he had heard noise from the apartment on Friday and called the cops, but he's not sure whether they had responded or not. We heard screaming. We heard the dog whimpering. It was... uh 
you know, I, I vividly remember telling 911 that it sounded like someone was getting killed upstairs. Yeah, we couldn't get any confirmation from the NYPD before we came to air if they actually visited this apartment on Friday. Whoever went to the apartment yesterday, called police, had not heard from the family since Friday, broke down the front door and made that gruesome discovery. I am terribly distraught for the family, you know, and... Uh, I really hope that they catch whoever did that. That's very disheartening to hear something like that because, again, I've lived here many years. We never had anything like this. The 38-year-old man who discovered the bodies yesterday actually now being questioned by police. That's according to police sources as neighbors, as you might guess, in shock. I just hope they get the person and uh, hope the family gets their justice. Yeah, let's hope so. 533, let's go out to Long Island, the community there preparing to say goodbye to two people killed in that banned bus crash that took place in Orange County last week. The bus carrying the Farmingdale High School marching band to a camp in Pennsylvania crashed last Thursday killing two adults, injuring a bunch of students. The good news here is the students all expected to recover. Yesterday, there was a wake held for the 77-year-old retired teachers, uh, teacher, Beatrice Ferrari. Now, Ferrari had been uh, somebody who would be an usher or join these camp uh, trips in the past, and she was on the bus as she had been in the past, unfortunately killed in the crash, uh, spent 30 years as a history teacher, was a volunteer chaperone with the band program. She loved going on the trips and working with the kids. Lots of people showing up to her wake yesterday out on Long Island. My younger granddaughter was on bus, too. I can't say another word. There were no words to be said. She was just absolutely wonderful. Just a wonderful, wonderful human being. The deadly crash, renewing calls for crash gates to be installed along Interstate 84 in Orange County. Firefighters and New York State officials asked the New York Department of Transportation to provide funding for the crash gates on Monday. They don't know if it would have stopped this crash from happening, but they say those crash crash gates could prevent the deaths of others. It's impossible for me to determine how the outcome of last week's horrific accident would have changed by having this accident, this entrance. But I can confidently say that each and every minute is is crucial. Governor Hochul said uh, last week that tire failure may have been to blame for that bus crash, but the NTSB says it's premature to speculate just yet. Visitation for the Farmingdale band director, Gina Pelletieri, the other person killed in the crash last Thursday, is set for today. Let's stay on Long Island, WABC News Time 535. A man convicted of a 1989 murder that shocked a Long Island community will be up for parole in November. Robert Golub is serving 25 years to life for the murder of 13-year-old Kellyanne Tinez in Valley Stream. Tinez's body was found stuffed in a sleeping bag in Golub's family basement closet all those years ago. And Tinez's brother, Richie is worried Golub could actually be paroled this time and is sickened that he has to deal with this parole nonsense every couple years. He's not a person. He's an animal. Every single time, his chances of getting out get better and better and better. And there is an online petition, as there has been in the past back in 2021. Gottlieb was up for parole. He was denied. Here we go again, November of 2023. He's up for parole again. So this online petition uh, would keep would ask these parole board members to keep this convicted killer behind bars. And the family members 
and some victim rights advocates are hoping that people will go on to sign this petition so they can deliver it to the parole board. Incredibly, a predator like Robert Golub could actually get released into our community. We knew both the boy and we knew both the girl. Yeah, lots of people in this neighborhood still remember this incident from all those years ago and say they will sign that petition. WABC News Time 539. NYPD cops responding to a 911 call about a bomb threat that was made to the Cordelou Library in Brooklyn. It was moments before they were about to host a drag story hour where drag queens read to kids. This is a library that we use really frequently with my toddler. I'm I'm speechless. Like, I'm not surprised because nothing really surprised me, but it's like, I don't know what to say. It's sad. The good news was there was no bomb. They don't know who called it in. New York Attorney General Letitia James responding to the incident, saying the families go to drag story hour to have a good time and terrorizing them with a bomb threat, she says, is disgusting. She says they will continue to look for whoever called in this bomb threat. A torrent of uh, crazy ideas and determination to stamp out. Uh, people um, and ideas that don't agree with them. The library was deemed safe after a short investigation, and they went on with the drag story hour at that library in Brooklyn. The FDNY marking a grave milestone as the number of members who died due to 9-11 related illnesses now equals the number of members who died in the 9-11 attacks. I mean, just heartbreaking. The FDNY Uniform Firefighters Association President Andrew Ansbro says EMT Hilda Venata and firefighter Robert Fulco were the 342nd and 343rd members to have died due to 9-11 related illnesses. On September 11th, for most people, it's a part of history. For New York City firefighters, it continues to be an ongoing tragedy as we care for our sick and continue to bury our dead. 22 years after the attacks claimed the lives 686 FDNY members, but officials expect that number to keep growing as thousands still suffer from 9-11 related cancers and illnesses. Unions calling on the federal government to fully fund the World Trade Center health program so it's around for people who are still getting sick. We mourn his loss, we honor his memory, and for the 686th time related to 9-11, make a promise to never forget both him and his family's sacrifice. 3,000 members out of approximately a department that has 16,000 members are currently uh, sick with the World Trade Center cancer. That's a staggering number. It is. And unfortunately, the, you know, the, the deaths will continue. There's just no, no stopping it. And it is staggering, and we hope Congress will continue to fund that World Trade Center health program. 541, out to Queens. We had told you about this story. It was probably over the summer. About uh, neighbors in Astoria, Queens, were watching on as People were coming up to those relay mailboxes. You know what a relay mailbox is? It's one of those mailboxes you can't put a letter in, but you'll see the postal the postal worker who's working your route will put bags in there and pull bags out of there as they go on their mail route. Well, people have been busting into those relay boxes like nobody's business, and apparently this is a big deal in Astoria, Queens. Neighbors say they've seen thefts happen, 23rd Avenue, 21st Street. They uh, see people coming up on mopeds and in getaway cars. Uh, somehow have the keys to these relay boxes, open them up, take mail out, and then race away. Now, not clear what they're really getting away with, if there's checks or packages. Uh, and even the post office can't tell us for sure what these people have stolen. 
but neighbors say enough is enough. It wasn't a USPS jacket. It just kind of looked like one. Now that we know these boxes are vulnerable, uh, I guess everybody wants a piece of the pie. Yes, so the post office quick to respond yesterday, saying that they're changing out the locks on these relay boxes that normally use a key, and they're going to use electronic locks that are much harder to hack. But they wouldn't give us a time and date of when this would be done or even when this process would begin. So for now, these relay boxes with the keys are still there, and neighbors say they're watching on as those bags are pulled out of the relay boxes and people drive away with them. I have a neighbor whose insulin was stolen. It seems like there's a lot of different things that could be done, maybe just to deter a Thanksgiving dinner laid out uh, for wolves in the forest. Yeah, I guess it is if you know those relay boxes are there and you have the keys to break into them. They say it's so swift. Key into the lock, boom, gone. They're gone in like 15, 20 seconds. Uh, the postal service, by the way, saying if you want to ensure that your letter and packages get where they're going, uh, drop them off at the post office and you'll have a better shot of them arriving. Which is a little outrageous that those relay boxes are being hit off so hit up so often. 543, New York State assigning another 150 National Guard members to support its migrant crisis response. Governor Hochul says the new deployment means more than 2,000 National Guard members are working with migrants and 250 of them are assigned to full-time case management services, helping them, I guess, fill out paperwork. So you'll be helping them get a job, helping them support themselves, helping them leave these shelters, because I believe they did not come all these thousands of miles to live in a shelter with hundreds, if not thousands, of others. Governor says it builds on the state's $50 million investment to help migrants file paperwork, secure legal work status, get out of those shelters. We're being held back by a shortage of work. Ask a farmer how they're doing this year. It's been a really tough year because they don't have enough workers. So I want TPS for more people. Yeah, she says a lot of these jobs are upstate, and she'd be willing to bust these people upstate to take those jobs, but they got to fill out all this paperwork ahead of time. We don't want to invite people to come to New York to stay in a shelter. We have to be honest about this now. And even the shelters we have, we are running, we are out of space. And that's just the reality check that people need to know before they come to New York. And by the way, it's only going to get worse. GOP lawmakers in Eagle Pass, Texas, witnessing the epicenter of this immigration surge. New York Republican Congressman Brandon Williams was there over the weekend. He says New York City's sanctuary city designation isn't working. And uh, he says it's making the problem worse. And that's why they're seeing this huge surge since the beginning of September. More migrants than ever. This will turn every community community where I live in central New York and across America into border cities, much like I've seen here in the last 24 hours. Yeah, and it's not going away. In Eagle Pass, they're just overwhelmed. Every shelter filled there. The mayor saying it's worse than it's ever been. Their hospitals are overwhelmed. Their schools are overwhelmed. And at every gas station and convenience store, there are vagrant men asking for money. And, of course, here in New York, we are on the hook for billions of dollars, so says the mayor, over the coming years. 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk, where we find Justin Ellis. Thank you, Noah Mulladen. Monday Night Football produced another exciting doubleheader last night. First off, we had the Philadelphia Eagles marching into Tampa Bay to beat the Buccaneers by a score of 25-17. to to remain a one of uh, the now three undefeated teams on the year of 25-11, excuse me, uh, undefeated teams on the year. According to ESPN, quarterback Jalen Hurts and a number of other Eagles players were said to have been battling flu-like symptoms heading into the, uh, or and during the contest. Sick or not, though, Philly did take care of business on the road next. 
The Cincinnati Bengals broke out their early season rut with their first win of the year, outlasting the L.A. Rams in Cincinnati by a score of 19-16. to Joe Burrow took off, or shook off a linger, or lingering calf injury, throwing for a season-high 259 yards. Young star quarterback explained that the risk of starting the season 0-3 outweighed the risk of potentially worsening his injury. No harm, no foul for Burrow. And the Bengals, as they moved to 1-2 overall on the young season. On the diamond, the Yankees beat the Diamondbacks 6-4 at home to take 2-3 of three from Arizona over the weekend, now officially eliminated from playoff contention. All the Bombers really have to play for is the role of spoiler. They took their crack at that last night, shaking up the National League wildcard race and forcing the D-backs into a current tie with the Chicago Cubs for the National League's second wildcard slot. The Yankees, they'll head into Toronto for a three-game set next with the Blue Jays. First pitch for Game 1 is scheduled for 7.07 p.m. tonight. Michael King is tabbed to start there. As for the Mets, they were off yesterday, but they'll get a three-game set with the Marlins underway in Queens tonight. First pitch scheduled for 7.10 p.m. with Joey Lucchesi set to take the hill in that one. No, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. We'll go out to Union City, New Jersey, where New Jersey Senator Robert Menendez held a press conference yesterday, says he believes he'll be exonerated after he was indicted on federal bribery and corruption charges on Friday. I understand how deeply concerning this can be. However, the allegations leveled against me are just that. Allegations. Democrat responding to the indictment saying many have rushed to judgment based on a limited set of facts from prosecutors. I firmly believe that when all the facts are presented, not only will I be exonerated, but I still will be the New Jersey's senior senator. Instead of waiting for all the facts to be presented, others have rushed to judgment because they see a political opportunity for themselves or those around them. Could be true. You had Andy Kim, the congressman from South Jersey, saying he would run against uh, Robert Menendez in a Democratic primary if it takes place next year to win that Senate seat. Uh, the uh, senator talking about that court of public opinion during this press conference that went on for about 21 minutes yesterday in Union City, New Jersey. He was going to hold it in the elementary school that he graduated from, but they told him, uh, no, they didn't really want to hold it there, get all the press attention as kids were in class. Um, So he held it elsewhere. He had some of uh, his buddies by his side. Um, There were uh, a lot of people uh, who watched on, of course, press from all over the country. The big networks were there, spoke for 21 minutes uh, in English and then in Spanish. But the big part of it was he says he's innocent. The court of public opinion is no substitute for our revered justice system. We cannot set aside the presumption of innocence for political expediency when harm is irrevocable. To those who have rushed to judgment, you have done so based on a limited set of facts framed by the prosecution to be as salacious as possible. Remember, prosecutors get it wrong sometimes. Sadly, I know that Uh, he's talking about his 2015 indictment for robbery. It ended in a mistrial. The sweeping indictment accuses Menendez and his wife, Nadine, with taking bribes of cash, gold bars, a luxury car for a range of corrupt acts, including having the Democrat use his influence over foreign affairs to benefit the authoritarian government of Egypt. In Union City, where the mayor grew up, uh, neighbors were responding to this latest indictment. It's a person that has got. No heart. He, he only cares about him. I don't think he's going to lose. He's got a lot of power. 
nothing is going to happen to him. The White House calling the indictment of Menendez serious. Any decision that he has to make, that's certainly going to be up to him and the Senate leadership to decide. Then you had Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre there. Says Democrats' decision to step down as the chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. They say he did that. That was the right thing to do. We believe uh, the senator stepping down from his chairmanship was the right thing to do. Yeah, so there was lots of people sort of guessing who might take his place. Uh, you had former Governor Chris Christie, uh, who came out and said, uh, by the way, he's not interested in the job, even if anybody's interested in him taking that job. I had a chance to appoint myself to the United States Senate in 2013. If I didn't appoint myself, the easiest I, way to get there, um, I sure as heck am not going to run for it. Yeah, Christie says he's glad the Justice Department acted on what he called some really horrific facts in this case. $500,000 in cash stuffed in jackets and envelopes throughout their home, gold bars that have the fingerprints and DNA of someone who you were attempting to fix the system for. If convicted on all the charges uh, he's facing, Senator Menendez faces up to 45 years behind bars. The House Oversight Committee going to hold its first hearing on the impeachment inquiry into President Biden come Thursday now. It'll likely focus on constitutional and legal questions around the president's alleged involvement in his son Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings during his time as vice president. Committee Chair James Comer also wants to subpoena the personal bank records of Hunter Biden and the president's brother, James Biden. Witnesses for the panel's first hearing were announced on Monday. They include a law professor who testified in the Clinton and Trump impeachments. The president has denied any wrongdoing. I'm Mark Neefield. All right, let's bring it back home out to Long Island. The parents of a five-year-old Long Island boy just furious after the kindergartner was able to walk out of his elementary school undetected, walked nearly a third of a mile to his house. It was his parents who learned he had left school from police. The parents confused because his son was supposed to be at Forest Lake Elementary, but he was not. Uh, they later learned their son asked to use the bathroom, was allowed to go by himself, and that's when he left the school through a side door and then walked all the way home. Here's his parents. I don't know what he's doing there. I don't know why my son's home. He went down now three hallways, the hallway where his class was, the hallway where the bathroom was, and the hallway where the exit was. And there was nobody monitoring any of those three hallways. He crossed three streets. And the one street from the school is a three-way intersection. That's one of the parents talking to News 12. The teacher noticed William had not returned from the bathroom and a search took place inside this building. The boy had to cross three streets, uh, one of them a busy intersection. Luckily, he ran into Stuart Kavner, a neighbor and an educator for 47 years. He saw the boy walking by himself and became concerned. So he started following him to make sure that he got home okay. And he said, I'm going home. And I said, okay. Uh, and I started to walk behind him. He says, you don't have to walk behind me. And I said, well, I want to make sure you're okay. And all right, so I'll walk with you to the house. And then you can see the doorbell camera from the family's home when the boy arrives with Stuart. Once he got to the house, he knocked on the door. Nobody was home. That's when he called police, and that's when police called his parents. And his parents say uh, they don't want this to happen to any other kid. Thank God their kid's okay. Something that's hardwired to the actual um you know, front office of the school to say, like, this door is open now and it should not be. 
Let's go check it out. Yeah, so just teachers have to pay attention when they're in class. New York City officials recognizing the first responders who saved a New Yorker from a shark attack over the summer. Mayor Adams hosting the EMT's lifeguard and the NYPD cops responded to Rockaway Beach. This was back on August 7th when Tatiana Kolnick suffered the first shark attack in New York City since the 1950s. You know, we have a New Yorker that is with her family right now. Because you responded, all of that training kicked in. You didn't didn't wait, you didn't stall. Yeah, the shark bit a major chunk of her thigh, if you remember, causing the NYPD officer Joseph Ronaldo to use a makeshift tourniquet to slow the bleeding until EMS arrived. The 65-year-old actually faces several years of intense physical therapy and close medical monitoring after this attack, but she's alive. That's the big part of the story. I don't think we fully understand what it is to run towards danger when everyone is running away or everyone is panicking. Uh, The level of just steady hand, and you just say it's another day. Yeah, amazing job done by all involved there. And finally... A rare Bob Ross painting is up for sale in Minnesota Art Gallery, listing the first ever piece from Ross's long-running show, The Joy of Painting. Remember that show on PBS? It's going for $10 million. Ross painted A Walk in the Woods on the first episode of season one of his popular show on CBS. Now you can have it for well, $10 million or maybe more. We'll have to wait and see what it actually goes for.